All right, our, uh, our text today comes from uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter uh, 8. And um, it, even though it's on the screen here, I'd invite you to grab your Bible and open up to chapter 8, because um, there's a lot around it that helps us understand what's going on in Mark chapter 8. Um, so starting at verse 14. <clears throat> the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. I mean, you can feel like, like their kids and their dads have given them a talking to. And he said to them, do you still not understand? So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us understand, that uh, you would just uh, walk with us in this passage uh, and share with us what you have uh, on your heart for us today. You know, when I, when I prayed earlier this week and was just asking Holy Spirit uh, what he wanted me to preach on, um, this was the passage that came to mind. I, I didn't think of the, the story in particular, but I, I got Mark 8 and a 14 were the, the things that came into my head. So I looked it up and I saw this and I've just been sort of sitting with it all week because I felt like, well, there's a lot here, but I'm not sure what exactly Holy Spirit wants to say to us in this. I was looking at all these other passages that are somehow connected to it. Um, so I've been asking God, what does he want to say to us? And, and it could be that that uh, it's just for one of us. Certainly, I've run into some things today in my own life where I feel like, oh, this is actually right for me today. Um, but let's let's see where it goes for us. So, so what's going on in this passage? Uh, it helps to step back earlier into Mark. So if you, if you flip back a couple chapters to chapter 6 of Mark, uh, we see that Jesus is in the wilderness with the disciples and the crowds have come to him and he, he ends up feeding uh, 5,000 of them. And actually, it says in, in I think, Matthew's gospel, it says 5,000 men, uh, so it doesn't even count the women and children. So I think we could safely double that number. And he does it with five loaves and two fish. And then earlier in chapter 8, where we were just reading, uh, he feeds 4,000. Again, probably able to double that number. But, but even apart from those two amazing miracles of feeding uh, these masses of people, um, he's also, uh, since the disciples have been with him, he's, he's cast uh, thousands of demons out of one guy and, and other demons out of other people. He's walked on water. He's, he's raised a little girl from the dead. He's healed the sick. He's, he's uh, uh, restored healing to a deaf man. He's done all of the, He's walked on water. So all of this stuff has been going on. The disciples have been right there with him to observe all of it, to experience all of it. 
to eat food that Jesus has multiplied. And, and right before Jesus gets in the boat with them, so right after the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus has a run-in with a bunch of Pharisees. And, um, and they ask him for a sign from heaven. So it says to test him. But really what they're trying to do is get him to prove himself, prove that he's for real. And, and Jesus says, no, I don't, da I don't dance like that. So he, he's not going to do, do what they're asking him to do. So he gets in the boat with the disciples, and, and it's, it's great that there's this, this little detail there. It says, one loaf of bread. And, and so I can just imagine, here's these 13 guys sitting in this boat, this one loaf of bread, and Jesus is probably sitting in the back of the boat, and he's thinking about this interaction that he just had with the Pharisees and their attempts to get him to uh, prove himself, to, to uh, uh, behave the way that they think he should behave. And as he's thinking about this, he turns to the other 12 and he says this, he says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And we'll talk about yeast in a minute here, but I'm, I'm guessing that because Jesus made a baking illustration, a baking metaphor, uh, the disciples think that he's calling them out about not having brought bread with them for lunch that only one loaf for 13 hungry guys. They, they think it's about lunch. But it turns out that Jesus wasn't actually bothered about lunch. He wasn't mad about lunch. He was actually really bothered by the Pharisees and their refusal to see what's right in front of them. Like they're asking for a sign, and yet they've been swimming in signs. Jesus just fed 4,000. Uh, a couple chapters before fed 5,000. All the other things that Jesus has been doing they're swimming in signs, and they won't allow themselves to see it. Now, maybe you saw the, the movie from uh, several years ago. It's, uh, it's probably the 90s, even. Uh, it was Bruce Almighty with, with Jim Carrey. And there's this point where he's driving in the rain, and he's, he's really hurting, and he's crying out to God for a sign. And he's, he's like, God, give me a sign. I need a sign. And while he's driving and can barely see out the windshield, this truck pulls in front of him, and it's a, a road crew truck, and the back of the truck is full of signs. Do not enter. Wrong way. One way. Uh, no U-turn. All these different signs. And, and Jim Carrey is still crying out, even with this truck in front of him, God, give me a sign. Why won't you talk to me? Give me a sign. And just like he was swimming in signs that he couldn't see, the Pharisees won't allow them to see all the things that Jesus has been doing. So it made me ask the question, why? Like, what are the Pharisees afraid of? What, 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 what does it cost them to say, yes, Jesus, you fed 4,000, that's a sign. You fed 5,000, that's a sign. I think it, it means because uh, to say that Jesus has done these things, it means that they have to believe Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is for real. And if Jesus is for real, it means that They've been wrong about God and that Jesus, this, this uh, rule breaker, this friend of sinners, is actually the one who's right. But Jesus doesn't bow to their demand. Actually, he wouldn't bow for anybody's demand because, because he knows that their hearts are hardened. Jesus doesn't perform in order to prove that he's real for us. And yet, he also seems to be willing to do some things. Right? So, have you ever asked God for a sign? I have. 
Uh, I've, I've shared this story before, but maybe some of you are new to it. But was I, when I was in high school, I became a Christian at the end of my, my 10th grade year of high school. And uh, at that time, uh, and I continued on smoking a lot of marijuana. Um, and that was just uh, how I spent my time with my friends. And, uh, but I started to feel convicted about it. Like God didn't, it wasn't legal back then. And, uh, and, and it wasn't medicinal for me. Um, and that God uh, was convicting me. I was, feeling, I was feeling guilty and convicted about it. So one night, one summer night, I was out with my friend Tim, and we were uh, at the church parking lot of the little Presbyterian church in the small town that I grew up in. And I had rolled the window down uh, on the passenger side, and I was sitting on the door just looking up at the sky, beautiful starry night, and feeling convicted about this uh, marijuana that I had with me. And, and I just said, all right, God, if it's wrong, tell me it's wrong. Give me a sign. Give me a shooting star. Give me lightning. Give me thunder. Give me a voice. Mike, it's wrong. You know, and, uh, and nothing happened. And seeking to justify my lifestyle, justify my actions, I said, yeah, I didn't think it was wrong. And I looked down from the stars and I looked at the other side of the car. And there on the other side of the car was a stop sign. Just red and white. S-T-O-P, stop. And I just went, oh, all right. I asked for a sign. I got a sign. So I dropped the joint and didn't look back. The really amazing thing about that is that there's no stop sign in the parking lot. It's, it's this little church. It's a gravel parking lot. Um, they never had a stop sign there. Um, I went back uh, years later my sister got married at that church, and I went down there, and I looked, and there was never a stop sign there. In fact, the, the streets uh, go several blocks in either direction before you can actually barely see a stop sign. So uh, whatever was going on at that moment, I asked God for a sign. He gave me a sign. Um, so sometimes he's generous about that, but it, was, it wasn't about uh, trying to prove that he was God. It was, he was trying to communicate something to me. So Jesus, Jesus tells his guys, beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now, uh, in the Old Testament, which was the only Bible they had, uh, yeast or leaven often uh, was a, a reference for sin. Like during the Passover, uh, uh, as they celebrate Passover, they're supposed to remove all the, all the yeast from the house uh, as a sign of just sort of cleansing it. For God's presence, cleansing it for God, what God wants to do. So, so the idea of, of leaven, when Jesus says, beware of the leaven, he's really saying, beware of the sin of the, of the Pharisees and the sin of, uh, of Herod. So what's, what's the sin of the Pharisees demanding a sign? Well, I think it's that they're, they're so narrowly stuck in their ideas about who God is and how they have to perform for God that they can't see what God is actually doing right in front of them. They can't believe what God is actually doing right in front of them. So their sin is a hardness of heart. Uh, nothing that, that Jesus could do or say would pierce that hardness of heart. Uh, they've, they've completely shut themselves off. And, and it's, it's, it's like he said to the disciples, he could say the same thing to the Pharisees. It's that having eyes, they don't see what's right in front of them. Having ears, they don't hear what Jesus has been saying all along. So the hardness of heart is about unbelief. Uh, and it's not just unbelief like I'm struggling to believe or I have doubts, but it's, it's much deeper 
than that. It, it's a complete blocking of what God wants to do. So, so Jesus has got this issue with the Pharisees is this hardness of heart. But then, but then he speaks the same word, the words that he could have said to the Pharisees, he actually says to the disciples. So he's not mad about that they only brought one loaf of bread. Um, but he is really frustrated that the disciples also can't see what's right in front of them. And, he, and so he's, he's mad at the disciples about that. So what's going on with them? How, how is it possible that the disciples who have been with Jesus, they've seen him feed 4,000, they've seen him feed 5,000, they've seen him walk on water, they've seen him raise a little girl from the dead, they've seen him do all these things, think that Jesus is somehow uh, calling them out for having only brought one loaf of bread. Like, like how soon do they forget uh, that God is, is powerful and his provision and care are miraculous? Like, I think what's going on for the disciples is, is similar to, but, uh, but different than the Pharisees. The Pharisees, it's a hardness of heart. So, so God is trying to get in, but it just, it's, it's like rainwater on a rock. It just runs off and never penetrates the rock. Whereas, whereas the, uh, the disciples, uh, it's like the, the heart is open and the rainwater gets in, but then there's holes in it and the rainwater runs out and it doesn't, it doesn't stay. So it's like they've got a hole in their heart um, that, that faith never completely fills up. So you know what, what's oddly comforting about this interaction between Jesus and the disciples is that here's these, these guys who have walked so closely with, with the living Jesus, the human Jesus. They've seen all that he had done and they could still get it so wrong. They could fail to see what was right in front of them. They could fail to see who was right in front of them. So if, if we struggle with that, we're actually in good company. But it also means that Jesus' challenge to the disciples is also a challenge to us. And he says to us, do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but don't see and ears but don't hear? Don't you remember? I feel like that last one is really important for us. Don't you remember? Because it's really like how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget because uh, we've moved on from that place of God's miraculous provision, of God's goodness. It's like we, we say we love Jesus and we believe in God, but somehow there's part of us that, uh, that still doesn't really believe. You know, in the book of James, uh, he says this. He says, oh, you believe in God? You do good. Uh, but even the demons believe, and they shudder. So believing isn't the full story. Believing does not equal trust. Believing does not equal trust that Jesus is faithful, that Jesus is good, that Jesus is going to provide. And, and in this passage, I think Jesus is feeling frustrated that his disciples don't get that. Uh, like, it's one thing for the Pharisees not to get it. They're not hanging out with him. They're not hearing his heart all the time. Uh, but his disciples, he, he hopes that they would have a deeper connection of trust that be really rooted in, his, in what they've already seen about his faithfulness. So there's a, a sense that I've, I've heard the phrase that they were unbelieving believers. Unbelieving believers. So they, they believe in God, but they don't, they don't fully trust God. They haven't put their full weight on God yet. And so there's a sense of unbelief even about how they believe. Uh, they're with them one moment, uh, they're loving the worship, 
We're celebrating the miracle. We're praising God for his provision. But then the next crisis comes, and all we see is one loaf in the boat. That's what we focus on. And we panic like he's never done anything for us in the past. And, and he has to remind us. I have a friend who used to be like this. I'm, I'm glad to say that, that uh, God's done a real transforming work in his life. But he, uh, he used to work really closely with people who struggled a lot. And he struggled a lot, too. And every time a crisis came up for him or for someone else, his prayer would be something like, God, I thought you were bigger than this. I thought you were better than this. If you can't do something about this, I'm not sure that you're worth following. It was like every prayer was a challenge for God to prove himself. And my friend's faith seemed like this fragile house of cards that could just blow over at any minute. But that wasn't just true for my friend. It seemed like that was actually true for the disciples who walked with Jesus all the time. You go back to, to Mark chapter 4, and, uh, and they're in the boat, in the storm. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And the disciples wake him up. And what do they say? Master, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus gets up, he calms the storm, and then he turns and he looks at them and he says, where's your faith? Like he, he expected a level of faith uh, that I'm not sure I would have in myself in a storm like that. Uh, but he expected that of his disciples because they'd been spending time with him. And then, and then as he referred to, as he reminded them, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, in both cases, uh, the first one, the 5,000, the disciples are like, we, don't have, we can't feed these people. That, that would cost a year's salary to feed these people. We need to send them into the villages. And then Jesus, Jesus does it. And, and then the next time, they've already seen him feed 5,000 people. And still they're wondering with 4,000 people, well, how can one feed all these people with bread out here in such a desolate place? Like there's, we, we see it and then we've moved on and the new crisis has us focusing on one loaf of bread rather than seeing that there's 12 baskets left over and seven baskets left over and Jesus is right here with us and he's ready to provide. It's not about asking him to prove it himself uh, by showing us a sign. It's, it's participating in the generosity and abundance that he already has for us. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 is one of my life verses. And uh, you're probably familiar with it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own ability to figure things out. Don't lean on your own ability to make sense of things. Acknowledge him in everything you do, and he will lead you on a straight path. So I'm, I'm curious as, as we uh, begin to wrap this up and maybe even move into some more prayer is there a place for you right now that feels like you're just looking at one loaf of bread when Jesus is sitting right here next to you and everything he has for you is available, but we're focusing just on this one loaf of bread? I was talking with Lorinda about this passage this week, and a couple weeks ago she was with us at Outdoor Church when we did it in the parking lot in the back garden, and she shared some of how God's been providing for her, just miracle after miracle. It's been been really amazing to hear that story and be a part of that. Uh, and she says, this whole scripture is about having faith that God will provide, that God doesn't leave us alone. And that she says, this is the key, that, that we, our faith is in God's faithfulness. It's not in our ability to have faith, 
but in God's faithfulness, in God's goodness, in God's abundance, sometimes we only see the loaf of bread, the one loaf. We, we see the limited resources. We see the crisis. That's all we see. And we don't have eyes to see or ears to hear what Jesus is saying and doing. And we quickly forget all that he's done already. We go from crisis to crisis, worrying, crying out. And Lorinda reminded me, Jesus is calling us into a deeper connection, a connection of trust, not just belief, but trust. Um, so where, where is your faith today with Jesus? It's okay wherever it is. He wants to meet you there. So this isn't, this isn't a judgment, but those questions that Jesus is asking his disciples is also, also for us. Um, do you not perceive or understand? Do you have eyes and can't see and ears and can't hear? Don't you remember? You know, are you, are you looking at the one loaf right now it's about something in your life and wondering if that's going to be enough? Have, have we forgotten about his provision in the past? What I want to do just to close our time is pray um, the opposite of the questions Jesus was asking his disciples. Um, so let, let's, let's pray together. So Lord, um, yeah, we, we really need you, Lord, because uh, we are people of the moment. Um, and we, we forget often what you've done for us in the past. And we look at this one loaf of bread or we look at the future and we think, how in the world are we going to do that? How are we going to make it? How are we going to pay rent? How are, where are we going to live? Um, all these different questions, which are really big, challenging questions for us, but, but aren't big challenges for you. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes to see what you have already done and what you are doing, that you would open our ears to hear what you're saying to us right now, even as our eyes are fixed on one loaf of bread. I ask you, Lord, remind us of the ways that you've provided for us in the past. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us of your faithfulness. Lord, if there's a place in us where our hearts have become hard, I ask you to soften our hearts. What's impossible for humans is possible for God. We know, Lord, that there were Pharisees who actually came to faith in you. So while there were Pharisees who had hardened their hearts, not all of them did. So soften our hearts, Lord. Would you take us right now into a memory of your provision? Would you bring us into a memory of an answered prayer? Thank you that you're right here in the boat with us. Thank you that even though there's only one loaf of bread, we don't need to worry because you are, you are the bread. You're the bread from heaven. Tu eres mi pan, Señor. So, Father, we just want to receive your provision. And Lord, I, I just pray for my brothers and sisters uh, that if there are, are um, areas where they really need provision, I know Lisa's led us through some things, Lord, but like if there's 
health provision that needs to happen, if there's uh, legal provision that needs to happen, if there's financial provision that needs to happen, we look to you, Jesus, and we trust you. You're right here with us. We say we trust you, Lord, and uh, we trust your faithfulness. We trust your goodness, and we trust your provision in all those areas that seem like all we have is one loaf. Thank you, God. Bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.